Folks, if you enjoy our guidance about the management trinity, getting to know your people, talking about performance, asking for more, pushing work down, and our tools are helpful, one-on-ones, feedback, coaching, and delegation. The ideal way to learn about implementing them is to come to one of our effective manager conferences. One day, we cover all of the major topics. You practice feedback. You practice coaching. You practice delegation. I can't tell you the number of times people have said to us, wow, I thought I understood the tools. And then when I had to practice, I realized I've taken it to another level. Come to the website, check out our conference schedule, see us all over the U.S. and in Europe and in Asia and in Australia. See you there. Welcome to Manager Tools. Our guidance on an uncommunicative direct conversation. This is not micromanagement. Part two. Here we go. Our second recommendation, the the one that we're known for, of course, is what to do, the tactical recommendation, and we've made it before when talking about resistant, and I think we actually have a guidance called resistant directs. We recommend you ask two to three times for input at the start of your one-on-ones, the way Danny did in the example we used, rather than simply accepting a first-time brush-off. Right. It's important, I think, to remember that your directs bring all of their previous experience with all of their previous managers to their relationship with you, right? I often say to folks at conferences, you're not just managing your direct, your your directs, you're managing all the bad bosses they've had before you. And you don't know, they, they could have had a boss. I had one, one um, conference attendee who said I had a boss who did one-on-ones with me and I shared with her some things I was struggling with and verbatim, those things showed up in my performance review and I got dinged at the end of the year. Yeah. Good reason. Yeah. So maybe they've had a boss like that previous. Um, The vast majority of managerial experiences from the direct's perspective are benign or negative. Negative. Yeah. Not a positive experience. I I often ask folks at conferences, raise your hand if you've ever had a bad boss. And every hand goes up. And I said, guys, same is true for your directs, right? In that case, the directs aren't wrong. They're self-sustaining to hesitate to embrace something new. They've seen the flavor of the month before, or if the direct thinks that the one-on-ones are going in a direction that not sh- that they're not sure benefits them, if you hesitate about it, they may see it as uncertainty, and so they'll try to su- subtly discourage you from continuing by not giving you the result you want, and the result you want in a one-on-one is communication. So don't be afraid to make sure that your directs understand that you're serious about your one-on-ones that their lack of engagement won't deter your efforts, and stay the course for weeks and months. Don't stop after two or three weeks. Look, as we've said before, if you're, if you're going to start and then stop, don't bother starting. Right. Save, your, save your political capital with your direct for something you really believe in and that you're willing to keep doing no matter what. I don't know about you, Mark, but I, when I think back on all the folks that I've managed, I have had two directs who have lasted more than two to three months without saying anything, without bringing, right. And they weren't top performers, were they? They were not. (laughs) Guys, remember, always remember, the people who least want to be supervised are your weakest performers in the vast majority of cases. There are rare cases of the genius who produces outstanding work and, and doesn't want to talk about it. But the vast majority of people who are afraid of more insight, more shining a spotlight into what they're doing and how they're doing it and what their results are and how they're treating other people 
and are they growing and developing, which is part of being in an organization. Those people who worry about those things are hiding something from you. They don't want you to know everything. Your best people want you to know. Okay, so that's a long version. So second point, it's okay to inquire about work status, about progress, about issues, about concerns, about needs, just like we did in that role play. Right, because one-on-ones are work meetings. The majority of managers end up talking about work. The majority of directs end up talking about work. I mean, we tell our directs, you can talk about whatever you want. It's your time. But most of the time, directs are going to talk about work, which makes sense because the, the foundation of this relationship, right, the primary connection that we have with our directs is through the work, is through the company, the organization. Yeah, and guys, don't confuse this with our guidance that directs can talk about personal stuff, about family, about issues, and so on. They can talk about whatever they want to talk about. But let's be honest, a one-on-one is a work meeting because it's happening at work and you are their boss. When we say one-on-ones are work meetings, we're not saying you should only talk about work. We're simply making obvious that it's happening at work and the common thread between you and your directs is work. But it is the regularity of the meeting and your openness to other ideas that allow some of your directs to bring up work stuff, as I've said, or bring up personal stuff. As I've said many times, when people ask me, well, I don't know what to do if people get personal. I said, well, first of all, they don't a lot, but you need to give them the opportunity because they are people and things do happen. But if I worked for you, I would probably rarely share stuff about my family or about my personal life with you. It doesn't make me impersonal at all, but when I'm I'm a high D, so if Danny were my boss, I'd come in and I'd go, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. I'm struggling with this. I need some help. Can you get me more budget for that? What about that thing you said you'd do for me? Da-da-da-da-da. It's very work-oriented. Um, the vast majority of all the stuff I've ever had happen to me as a manager in one-on-ones um, have been work-oriented. Yeah. I mean, we've known each other for more than 15 years, Yep. and during our one-on-ones, my stuff, work work and, and I <laughs> I just start going down my list and I tell people at conferences I'm like you know about about every eight to ten weeks or so during Mark's portion Mark will say so Danny how's Tim and I'm like he's fine yeah he's fine <laughs> like, that's it yeah <laughs> back to work <laughs> yeah back to work yeah um okay so it's completely reasonable then to dig in to the work efforts the habits the results of your directs in a one-on-one yeah, it's normal to, to make note of successes that they've had and give them positive feedback for those successes. Um, it's normal, appropriate, and really virtually necessary to ask questions about things that might be going wrong. Yeah. If you have a sense that something is off track, but they don't come right out and say it's off track, totally appropriate for you to dig in a little bit there and, and ask about that and say, I'm getting a sense that something might be off track here. Yeah, look, maybe they're doing something wrong. Maybe you need to use your role power to get somebody else to help. Perhaps they don't understand how important whatever they're working on is to you. And you need them to change the task's relative priority on their list. Maybe you just need data to be able to convince your boss that the right thing is being done. And you want to continue trusting your direct. But trust doesn't mean you put on blinders. Okay, Or maybe you're worried about a pattern of behavior of one direct who's involved even though it's not this direct. Or you're discovering that everybody, every single one of your directs is having a problem 
with one of the new systems you or somebody else installed or one of the new reports, but no one individual on your team is likely to have the multiple perspectives that you could get by asking lots of questions. It's normal. That last point, Mark, is something that is so important to me. And now as I've gotten more than one direct, it's been a while since I've had more than one direct, yeah, right. and now I have two. And the benefit of hearing both of their perspectives on things, really, really valuable. Yeah. And look, guys, sometimes trust is actually improved by periodically checking into details. As managers, we're responsible for all the work of our directs, whether we do it or not. There's a reasonable amount of information that we can ask for to help us understand the status and the progress of things they're working on. On one ineffective extreme, uh, when you talk about how much should you know about what your directs are doing in terms of making you comfortable or helping the organization know what's going on, on one ineffective extreme of that is asking every direct to email you, or even worse, provide you verbally, a daily report of all their activities. All their activities, right? That's super inefficient. But on the other ineffective extreme is the manager knowing nothing and being surprised by status and reports. And most directs who resist questions about their work are much closer to the latter, no information, while complaining that any move toward the middle is the tyranny of, oh my gosh, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to work or do you want me to report on things? Well, of course, the answer is yes, <laughs> meaning you have to do both. It's part of what happens in an organization. All right. Third point? Yeah, the third point is it's not micromanaging to dig into details about work and methods. Yeah, so a lot of professionals and managers at this point will say, well, but if you start asking me questions about my stuff, my work, this just shows that you don't trust me, right? Managers will say, my directs will say I don't trust them. Uh, and I thought you said we were supposed to be working on building a trusting relationship. Yeah. After you told me this story, I started thinking about the various levels of communication and so on. And I had like an aneurysm the moment I realized how <laughs> silly this argument is. It implies, this argument implies that verifying things is the opposite of trust. And it's not. Okay. And I have another really great thought experiment for you guys to, to try. Okay. So here's an example. You're working on a major year-long project one which the CEO of your firm has particular interest in. You're sort of the unofficial deputy project lead. Even though the lead handles all the comms and reporting and decisions and budgeting, and really you just do the tech stuff at the heart of the value proposition of this particular project. And so you're kind of definitely behind the scenes. And you and the two guys who work closely with you and the technical stuff are super critical to the project. You have a good relationship with the project lead, in part because he or she does all the stuff you don't want to do. And frankly, you're not very good at it. So you've got your bailiwick and he's got his or she's got hers. And then your project lead goes on vacation. And as it happens, the CEO wants one of his periodic updates that week. Are you going to send a note to the CEO and tell him that he's going to have to wait a week to get his update because the lead guy is on vacation? Of course No, not. you're not. You're not stupid. Okay. So you're going to give the update. Now, look, you probably won't be great. You won't be as good as the other guy, and that will paralyze you. Oh, my gosh, this other guy is so good at this stuff, and I'm not. Guys, don't worry about that, okay? Um, yeah, okay, wait, there's an exception to don't worry. If you work for a hot-headed, vindictive, 
jerk CEO. Okay, worry about it. But the fact is, worry is like a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere, meaning you're still going to give the report. You might as well just prepare rather than worry. The CEO is probably going to probe, right? The CEO is going to ask yeah. some questions. Are you going to accuse the CEO of your company of not trusting you because he's interested in some of the details? And look, if you were then to say, well, you know, the CEO ought not to be asking for this update because he ought to be reading the weekly reports that the system makes you file. But anybody with half a brain would file back, fire back that the kinds of questions that CEOs tend to ask are not the kinds of things that are covered in weekly reports. And if you want the weekly reports to cover everything the CEO might ask about, you're going to be doing nothing but writing reports. And what this leads to, guys, is if we're not going to deny details, updates, down in the weeds, numbers and statuses and issues and opinions and ideas to the CEO when he wants it, it's just a matter of degree and not principle to think we can deny them to our own boss or to for your directs to suggest that they should be able to deny, deny it to you. It's plaid. If, if, <laughs> yeah, it's plaid. If, if ever were a direct to ask after we inquire about status or methods or problems, don't you trust me? Guys, there's a simple answer here, right? Here's what you say. Of course I trust you. I trust you enough to let you do your work unsupervised. I mean, think about it. How often do we sit together and work together? Almost never. If I really didn't trust you, you couldn't work here because I'd have to watch your every move. So, of course, I trust you. If I didn't, I'd make you do much, much more reporting than you're thinking you're being asked to do now. But I don't. You know I don't. When I ask you questions about details, I'm actually trying to help. The reason I ask is that maybe I've dealt with what you're dealing with at some point in my experience, and I can save you some time or difficulty. And sometimes... I just want to be sure that the problems you might be facing aren't insurmountable or don't require my help. Oh yeah, I trust you. Asking for information isn't a lack of trust. It's just an effort to help. And for me to understand, because I'm obligated to understand and communicate about it with some knowledge when others ask me. Because your work gets visible to other people. All right, I can't help if I don't understand the things that you're dealing with and the challenges that you're going through. And this kind of inquiry, these asking these types of questions is not micromanaging. No. It's just managing. It's managing, but it is managing more assertively than people want or expect because of the decline of managerial skills. It's just a boss trying to understand, trying to help, trying to dig a little deeper into what's happening. It's no harm, it's no foul. And, you know, if I'm in a bad mood, I'll say, let's not let the inmates run the asylum. Right. In fact, I think there are a lot of places that would say, no, 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 you need to let, let the direct do what they want. No, you don't. The direct doesn't get paid to do what they want. In an ideal world, they'll have a job that'll let them do what they want. And the, what they want is perfectly aligned with what the organization wants of them. But everybody has parts of their job that are not fun. But the organization needs them to do that part. And so, therefore, they do. If the standard is, that's I, I don't want to do that. I think somebody asked me recently, Mark, what would you say to a direct who says, well, that doesn't motivate me? 
I would say, well, there are a lot of things in my job that don't motivate me. And by the way, you don't have to be rude about this. You can listen to the, the concerns and you can answer the concerns about trust and about digging into more details. Look, some directs don't want to work on their relationship with their boss. They're, they may not naturally be an open communicator. They may not naturally be someone who likes to talk to anybody a whole lot. Yeah. They may prefer to just work alone. Again, this is we, we tend to see this a lot in, in uh, the tech fields, yeah. right? People go into that job, that industry, because they prefer to work alone. But probing for details, learning about strengths and opportunities is the work of an effective manager. And frankly, a direct who calls that micromanaging has just never seen or experienced how great management is done. They probably have never had a good manager. Yep. So real quick, wrapping up, hopefully you enjoyed the role play, guys. Remember, ask three times for input. It's okay to inquire about work status, progress, issues, concerns, needs, and so on, because that's not micromanaging despite what people who don't know what they're talking about accuse you of. It's just not. Thanks, Danny. Cool. Thanks. Hope that was useful, folks. Uh, a lot of folks tell us they really enjoy us role-playing and, and expressing what to say and how to say it to direct in certain situations. This podcast was produced by Manager Tools. Manager Tools creates actionable management guidance every single week. To receive additional materials via our newsletter and to find products for situations you may face as a manager or professional, go to www.manager-tools.com. Search for Manager Tools on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.